You might notice in all of this week's lessons that I'm talking quite a lot about composition for Instagram and not just composition for photography in general. And there's a really good reason for that. Instagram photography has its own language, its own trends. And these are obviously determined like any trend in part by the people who are using it, by what's popular. But it's also a lot to do with the app format and the way the content is consumed by us on our phones. So we're going to start by taking a closer look at that second part and how people engage. The vast majority of Instagram users see photos via the app on their smartphone, which means they're essentially looking through a teeny tiny portrait window to see our photos. And sometimes that window is smudged, it's got fingerprints all over it, maybe it's broken. And so many of us have a short Instagram attention span as well. So most users are only spending maybe a second or two looking at an image. They might double tap and like it and move on at very best. In an environment like that then, an image needs to have something really special that's gonna reach out through the screen and really grab people's attention. If you remember back in the day, for those of you who were on the app at the time, Instagram images used to always be limited to squares. Now we have a wider choice and we can post landscape or portrait images too. You just need to toggle the kind of two arrow key in the bottom left of the preview screen whenever you're uploading an image. On a vertical phone screen, Portrait images are always going to work best because they fill the screen, where landscape images are only actually given about half the space. There's lots of research that consistently shows that this directly correlates with engagement. So portrait images consistently outperform landscape pictures in terms of likes and time spent viewing them and general engagement, just because bigger images stand out more. In the course notes, you'll find a side-by-side -side where I kind of try and demo this on a phone screen, because sometimes it's a bit difficult to explain just with words. Obviously, this doesn't mean that we should never, ever post landscape images to Instagram, but it does mean we have to make an informed choice. So depending on where you're sitting on that art versus popularity spectrum we talked about last week, you get to decide when a photo or a video really needs to stay in its landscape format to be appreciated versus those that might benefit from being cropped to fill the whole screen as a portrait composition and get an extra boost. It's also a great opportunity to make use of the carousel feature where you can share a gallery of multiple images within one post. So you can have a really eye-catching portrait image for the main cover image, but you can also share those additional landscape shots within the same post that people can just scroll through to see. Usually, although not all of the time, the first picture that people will be shown on something like Explore or the home feed from a gallery of images is going to be that cover image that you've chosen to be the main shot. Likewise, you might be using one of those apps that adds white borders around your photographs. And sadly, they have a similar negative impact. Anything really that's going to shrink the amount of screen space your pictures are holding is going to reduce the number of people who see your image and therefore reduce your engagement. So I always say just think really carefully about if you need to be using one of those. If you think about it in really simple terms, it's like the difference between a billboard and like an A4 poster. If you have the choice of a billboard, most people know that that's going to catch more people's eyes. Another really important influence on how Instagram's style has evolved is the power of the grid. Every image we see on Instagram is kind of ready framed. It's framed by our phone and then it's framed by the white space that the app puts around it. And if it's shown on a grid page, like the explore page or your profile grid, for example, then it's also shown as a square thumbnail surrounded by lots of other tidy little squares. 
there's an interesting impact that all of those straight horizontal and vertical lines have on the way our eyes perceive the images. So in traditional photography, it's kind of a nice thing to have a little off-kilter camera angle, maybe help draw the viewer in. But on Instagram, it often seems really jarring and can actually be quite a big turnoff. Just like how in a big landscape photo, something could be nudged off to one corner of the scene to give a dramatic balance. But when it's cropped to that auto square thumbnail that you see in Instagram, it can be lost completely. Now, none of this is to say that anyone has to change their art or their photography to be Instagram perfect, of course. But if you're creating anything specifically for Instagram, I think it's worth keeping in mind. And it can be a helpful consideration to have when you're choosing and editing which shots make it onto the grid. The next thing is click appeal and click appeal in a simpler sense I can put it is that semi subconscious urge when we feel the need to see more. It's kind of like an itch that needs scratching. So even when the video or the image that's caught our eye isn't something that we even think that we would like, normally we find that we can't move on with our browsing until our brain and our eyes have noticed it and taken everything they want to take from it. It's an awful lot like the instinct that has a lot of us falling for those clickbait headlines like, you won't believe what happened after this photo was taken or this one secret trick is changing the way millennials fall asleep. And even when we're tired and busy and have a million other things to do, in fact, especially when we are tired and busy and have a million other things to do, our conscious brain struggles to rein our subconscious in and take our attention away from these click appeal, clickbaity things. Now, obviously, we're all wonderful people here and our aim is not to mislead or to trick anyone into visiting our work against their will. But we can borrow a trick or two from the concept to really help make our images stand out and make a splash. On a really busy explore page against hundreds of other great images, we want to know how we can catch the eye of our target audience and what we can do to stand out. There's a space in your workbook for an exercise which can put this to the test. Because when we flick through our Instagram, we often make split second decisions on which pictures to click on, which ones to ignore, often without really being completely cognizant of what we're doing. So to test this out for yourself, open the explore page of your Instagram app, which is the magnifying glass in the toolbar at the bottom. This is a selection of images and videos that Instagram thinks you're likely to enjoy. It's based on things like what you've previously searched for, what you've looked at, what hashtags you use, what you spend time on. Now take a moment just to browse through that page as you normally would. Click for more detail on any shots that grab you. Scroll past any that don't. And as you do it, just try and pay attention to where your brain and your eyes are being pulled. Tune into what does and what doesn't grab your interest. Then put your phone down and write all of the images that you can remember seeing, like scribble a quick list in your workbook if you can, with the basic points about each and anything else that you might have noticed. Then after that, open up the same explore page, don't refresh it, but just look again at the grid that you browsed. And this time, try and look for the pictures that you didn't see the first time around that didn't make your list. Were you right to ignore them? Do they hold something for you? Would you have been more interested in clicking on them? Can you work out why the ones that grabbed you did and the ones that didn't, didn't. For most of us, the results of this can be quite surprising. The photos that we end up being instinctively drawn to might not necessarily be the images that we think we would intentionally choose to look at. Whenever we make these split-second sort of skim-read decisions, we're letting our primal basic subconscious brain make the decisions based on values that may or may not completely align with what our conscious mind has in mind. I think this is a fascinating idea and it has ramifications for so many areas of life, especially in how we use social media. And if the algorithm is counting things like clicks and interests, which we know it is, 
then it's going to be what is subconsciously appealing to people rather than what is simply the best that is going to rise to the top of the system. Now, it's not just our audience's eyes and minds that we can consider here. Instagram's artificial intelligence systems are constantly reading for meaning in our photographs too. I am so amazed by how clever this technology has become. If you go on your iPhone, I've done this for the course notes. I typed in the word croissant into my iPhone photos. So just to search through my own photos. And it brought up this whole gallery of beautiful, delicious pastries, which I think is pretty amazing that it knows what a croissant looks like in so many different contexts. And it's not limited to delicious breakfast pastries. Artificial intelligence can recognize an awful lot of other things too. Instagram is applying exactly the same kind of reading to everything we post. It's a way for them to understand and to sort everything and know what's being shared within their app. Obviously, hashtags can be quite vague. So artificial intelligence is really helpful for knowing exactly what kind of things audiences are looking at and then deciding what else to show them in future occasionally you might get a glimpse of what it's reading from your image. Sometimes I've seen it display while an image is loading, or if you've got quite a dodgy internet connection, it'll show up before the picture loads. And it is spookily accurate. It even knows when an image has already been posted before somewhere on the app and who posted it. There are a couple of key ways I think we should apply this knowledge to our Instagram strategy. Firstly, we can think about what key elements we want to include in our images that the AI is going to recognize and understand. So for example, if you're a photographer, it can be beneficial to include some shots of your cameras and gear alongside your work. Babies and children are super recognizable to artificial intelligence. So if your audience is parents or you're selling things for children, then it's worth making sure that children appear in your images. And likewise, it's worth considering the clarity and how easily recognizable these objects are when you're composing your shot. So anything with too much skin and nipples in it is going to be caught by the AI filter and can be tagged as adult content. So even if that's just an innocent child in the bath, it's going to be reading and it's going to be looking for meaning. Have a think now if there are any key props or elements that might be good for you to include in your work routinely and think about a fun way that you might be able to make these part of your regular posts. There's a space in the style guide in your workbook to include these as well. 